Okay, well here at PC3 we're working on a, on a preaching series working through the Gospel of John. And uh, as we keep hearing every Sunday, the reason that John wrote John was that so we may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing in him have life in his name. So the reason John wrote John, the reason we're listening to it today, is so that we may believe in Jesus and Jesus only. And so uh, the whole Gospel of John uh, you know, has um, testimonies, it has miracles, it has teachings, and he uh, deliberately puts all that in there so that we may know what believing is, what true faith in Jesus is. And so we've been exploring what is true faith in Jesus. And today we've got like the grand finale of all teachings about what it means to believe. This is my sixth sermon on, uh, on uh, John chapter 6. It's a, it's a long verse, you know, there's 71 verses, so what can I say? There's, there's so much to deal with. But uh, So what happened was Jesus fed the 5,000 families. So it could have been 20,000 people fed. You know, a huge amount of people. And they said, this man is amazing. And, uh, and then his teaching's fantastic. I think he might be the Messiah. He can feed people just from a couple of loaves and fishes. And I reckon we should make him king because I reckon he's the king. And so they wanted to make him king. And then Jesus, of course, uh, he uh, withdrew and sent his disciples to the other side of the lake. And then, as you know, as they're travelling across the lake, Jesus, um, you know, the great storm, and then Jesus was walking on the water to the disciples. And then they got there suddenly. And then what happened is Jesus then went to Capernaum where he was preaching in the synagogue. And there were so many disciples of Jesus. He was surrounded by disciples. You know, they were you know, followers. And so he had followers all around him. And they reckoned, this, this man's awesome. This man's fantastic. We want to follow this man because we reckon, you know, he's probably the Messiah. You know, he's, he's probably the, the king of Israel. You know, he can do miracles and heal people and do all sorts of things. So I reckon he's the man. So we're going to follow that man. And then Jesus said, you know, um, these terrible things. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And that, that's pretty tough. That, you know, that's hard for them to deal with. Uh, and we have to understand, what does that mean? So believing means that we eat the flesh of Jesus and we drink his blood. And so people got pretty offended. You know, they weren't very happy. They thought, that can't be right. And, uh, and we understood, of course, back then, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, Jesus didn't say, take a bite out of my arm and you'll have eternal life. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm going to tip some blood of my blood into a, into a dish and you can drink that and you'll find eternal life. They, they knew what he meant. They meant. What he meant was that I am the sacrifice and through my sacrifice you receive life. But you have to take the sacrifice I have to be your meat and drink. I have to be your Lord and your Saviour. You have to give your whole life to me. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so Jesus, all these followers were there and they heard all this and they got all pretty upset about it. This, this can't be right. This, what's he talking about? We can't do this. And then we get our text for today, which is uh, John chapter 6 from verse 60. And it says, On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? 
Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit, or the spirit, and life. Yet there are some um, of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would uh, betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. For this time, from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus said to the twelve. And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Iscariot, who, uh, through, um, who was one of the twelve, who was later to betray him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning. Lord, what a joy it is to gather, um, to uh, commission, to begin uh, a new season. Lord, we thank you that um, you have given us these words this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you'll fill our hearts by your spirit, that you'll transform us so that we may understand its truth and live according to this truth in life. And so please speak to us uh, in spirit and in truth and give us life as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, you see the picture. Jesus is there, he's surrounded by, I don't know how many, there'll be thousands of people wanting to follow Jesus. They call themselves disciples. John calls them disciples and there they are. And then Jesus gives this hard teaching. And so this is the moment of decision. But I want you to know that um, throughout Jesus' ministry, he was always concerned about disciples who were following but who weren't really believers. You know what I mean? They, they, they believed in Jesus. They believed all sorts of things, but they didn't really, or they weren't prepared to give their life for him. And so he spoke many teachings about that. Do you, can you think of any yourself? I mean, think of the uh, Jesus told a parable of two houses, Two beautiful houses. You know, they look the same, they look fantastic, but one was built on stone or rock and the other was built on sand. And as soon as a, a storm came, one came crashing down. What does that teach us? Wow, we better build on the right foundation. Well, what about, uh, you know, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, he said, um, oh, you know, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, you know, you obey the Ten Commandments, do all this sort of stuff and... And then the guy said, oh, no, I, I do all that. I've been doing that since I was a kid. Oh, I'm a fantastic you know, Christian. I'm a fantastic godly man. And then Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions. Give them to the poor and follow me. And that was the crisis moment. The man had to make a choice. He had to, and so he walked away sad. You see, Jesus is demonstrating and showing that all the time. There's the, you know, the parable of the ten virgins waiting for the, the, the bridegroom to come. You know, five of them were ready, prepared, waiting, but the other five weren't prepared. They ran out of oil. They missed out. There, there's so many stories that Jesus speaks and teaches us about it. What about the, the, the four soils? You know, the parable of the, the, the scattered seed? 
There's seed that goes on the grass, I'm on the path, I mean, and then there's seed that goes on rocky soil, on you know, and weedy soil, and then good soil. Now, what's Jesus teaching? He's saying, I want you, your heart to be given completely to me so that it may grow. Um, Jesus told many other stories. Or, you know, what about um, the, the Sermon on the Mount? You know, Jesus was saying that, that you have to believe in me fully. If, if a man doesn't take up his cross and follow me, he's not worthy of me. And so what Jesus is very concerned about and what the Word of God is very concerned about and what the Spirit of God is working on is ensuring that we are true believers because it's easy to be a false believer. To be those thousands of people saying to Jesus, well, you know, we think you're the king. <laughs> we think you're the Messiah. We think you're a miracle worker. We think you're awesome. I'm going to follow you. And then Jesus says, oh, no, what you have to do is believe in me fully. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have to, you have to be, uh, I have to be your center. I have to be your life. I have to be your everything. And that takes real commitment, doesn't it? Because what do the people do? It says, um, say, well, this is a hard saying. You know, the, the Greek word for hard is sclerosis. So this, is, this is a sclerosis word. This is, this is terrible. You know, this is very hard for us to accept. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. I don't want your assent. I don't want your, um, your praise. I don't want your presence. I want your heart. And if I don't have your heart, then you're not really my disciple. And so they had to make a choice. And so they said, um, and Jesus, what, what do you think about what Jesus says? Does this offend you? Then what if the Son of Man were to ascend to the place where he was before? Can you think about that? Oh, are you offended by this? Imagine if you see me at the right hand of God coming to judge the living and the dead. Will you be offended then? <laughs> I think of that, uh, you know, today. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, there are so many people offended, you know. With, there's a cross uh, on top of a building. I, I'm offended. I hate that thing. I've got to get rid of that thing. <laughs> you know, let's get rid of the cross. Uh, I'm offended by the word of God. I'm offended by people wanting to pray. I'm offended by people who want to preach Jesus on the street. I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. And imagine if he said to them, just imagine when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead. Will you be saying, I'm offended, you can't judge me. <laughs> it's, it's nonsense, isn't it? Jesus is saying what you need to understand is that I am God. I'm the Son of God, come to be the sacrifice for your sin. Don't be offended by that, but be challenged and change and accept and receive who I am. Because if anything else is your food and drink, then it will not last. And look what he says there. The Spirit gives life... But the flesh counts for nothing. Oh, wow. Think about that. The spirit gives life, but the flesh or the temporary or the now is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wow. Can you say that about your life? What about all the things that you love and hold dear? Are they nothing? Well, yes, they are. And so for me, I can say, well, you know, that beautiful Mazda out there is nothing. It's nothing. I mean, my, my, you know, my stellar career, my job, uh, my, my sporting abilities, my ability to dance, you know, um, all those things that I hold dear are nothing, nothing. And so this is the decision that we have to make and this is the decision those guys had to make. They had to say, 
Jesus needs to be my food and drink. He needs to be my centre. He needs to be in my life. So I need to make a decision. And so what did they do? They said, oh, no, I'm going to focus on the temporary. And so what they did was they walked away. They all started leaving. Can you imagine? The, you know, the, the most offended um, Pharisee would have said, oh, I can't put up with this. And then he left and then his followers left with him. And then other people said, yeah, well, they're leaving. I mean, they're pretty important people and pretty smart. I think I'll go too. And they said, no, this is too hard for me. I'm going to leave. I can't handle this. I'm going to go. And then uh, there was only 12 people left. Can you imagine? Thousands standing there. I'm following you, Jesus. You're the man. And they go, no, this is too hard. I'm leaving. And they all leave. Wow. They made a decision, you see. And so where did they go when they walked away? What did they trust in when they walked away? Jesus is God. He's the sacrifice for sin, his life eternal, and they walked away and then trusted in whatever it was they trusted in. What was their food and drink? Okay, so I'd imagine the Pharisees will go and say, well, I'm going back to the synagogue and I'm going to worship God the way I was before. And so they go, yeah, see, I'm right with God because I'm following all these rules. Jesus says that is nothing. That will not get you saved. There are other people that say, well, um, well, actually, I'm really happy when I'm playing sport. So I'm going to go back to my Hebrew version of soccer and, uh, and, and play that. And I'm going to be a soccer star. And then when I am a soccer star, when I'm a football star, you know, then everyone's going to look at me and I'm going to be really happy then. That's nothing, right? <laughs> that doesn't even, that's only temporary. That doesn't even last. Or so what, I'm going to go back to my job and I'm going to really get my uh, food and drink from my success and my work and all that I do. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to go back to my family. I trust my, my family are awesome. They are very supportive and I'm going to stick with them. The trouble is, everything they walk back to and trust in and is their food and drink is only temporary and it amounts to nothing and it will soon be nothing. And Jesus says, I am eternal life. The Spirit lives eternally. Everything that you trust in, apart from me, will not last. It will be a master of yours that will tyrannise you until you are dead. It will draw every life from you and you will not receive any joy. But Jesus says, I am your life. I am your master. Make me the Lord and saviour of your life and you will be blessed. You'll be filled with life and freedom and joy. And then when you stuff it up, I'll forgive you. (laughs) That is the spirit. That is eternal life. That's eternal joy. That's all we have. And so uh, the choice has to be made. And so what happens is they all leave and then uh, Jesus turns around to his disciples and says, do you want to leave too, do you? How do you think Jesus asked that question? Do you want to leave too, do you? If you leave me, you're going all to hell. (laughs) I'm not going to give you anything at all. You, You can't leave me after all I've done for you. No, he didn't say that. Jesus turned to his disciples. Can you imagine Jesus? Uh, you know, the saviour of the world, thousands of people walking away, trusting in other things apart from him, and then he turns to his disciples and says, will you leave me too? Will you leave me too? Can you see that? Jesus upon a cross paying for the, the price of our sin, bearing all the, the pain and the, and the guilt and the shame and the agony, and he looks at you and he says, are you going to leave me after all I've done for you? Who could do that? Who could leave Jesus after all he's done? 
And then Peter answers perfectly, doesn't he? The the spirit-filled word that comes from Peter. He says, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We can't go anywhere else because, you know, we know that everything else is rubbish and temporary and nothing compared to being with you, Jesus. See, Peter gets it. He's, the light comes on. He understands. He's got it. You know, he, he, he suddenly realizes that Jesus is the Messiah, but he's more than the Messiah. He's the one who dies for the, the, you know, the, his people and he's their life. And so all 12 of them, except for one, stay with Jesus and make that choice. That's it. I'm going to do it. And so the choice that we have today is Jesus looks at us from the cross and he looks at you right in the eyes and he said, are you going to leave me too? Is there something in your life that you think is more important than me? Because if it is, then you are lost and you do not have eternal life. You will not find this joy and this peace and you won't be a person of greatness demonstrating who Jesus is in the world. And so as we begin a new year, as we begin a new church year, a calendar year, as we're independent and working to, to save the people of Pakenham, Jesus is asking us that question. Is there anything else that you think you can have and find peace and joy in apart from me? Because if there is, then you're not a follower of mine. Because Jesus calls for us in every way. He calls for our complete commitment. We are. I mean, he is our life. We have no life apart from him. And anything that we're trying to find life in will bring death and will waste away. And so that's what we need to do. And so, and uh, have you noticed in your Christian life, how are you going, you know? You say, okay, I give my life to Jesus. I give it to him. He's my life. And then why aren't I winning victories? Why, why isn't things changing? Why aren't people discovering Jesus in my life? Why aren't I powerful and effective for him? Why isn't that not working? The first thing you need to do is check. Do you believe what you confess? Isn't it? Are you my life? I think the you know the illustration I've got is that have you ever downloaded an app? Everybody downloads an app. They all sorts of you download the app and you've got the app. You know, like on my phone, I downloaded an app and I thought, oh, that's great. You're not going to download the Tithely app. That's fantastic. You know, I can, I can use Tidely now. I can see what's going on in the church. It gives me great power. But what happens, it, it says downloaded. It's downloaded and it's sitting there, but it's not installed. That can be us in our Christian life, can't it? We can download the app. Yep, Jesus is in our lives. You know, he's, he's the Lord, he's the Saviour. That's it. But we haven't installed it because we're too scared. And you know what we think? We think, how can we have Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and still remain happy? How can, I, how can I be fully committed to Jesus and still have control of my life? This is the thing that we're all working on, isn't it? So you've downloaded the app, you've got Jesus in your life, you're coming to church, you're doing all the stuff the church does, and you're, yeah, I'm pretty good. But no power is at work because it's not installed. It's not, it's not there because you're too scared to press the install button. What will happen if I press the install button? What will happen when it suddenly goes and then, and then works and the app takes off in your life? What will happen? 
Will I lose this? Will I not enjoy that? Will this be terrible? I mean, what, what about the commitments I have here? What about the things I really love to do? What about all those? What's going to happen if I press that install button? Well, the answer is everything's going to change. You press that install button and suddenly everything that you're doing now is secondary compared to loving Jesus. Everything is secondary. And, and is that easy? The Christians, is that easy? <laughs> No, it's not easy. Suddenly you give up your life because then Jesus becomes your life and he rules your life and he works through your life. But that's the only way to be powerful and effective for him. And let me tell you that it's worth every sacrifice. There is nothing so wonderful and glorious as being owned by Jesus. There is nothing more filling of joy and and eternity than loving Jesus. Having Jesus as your Lord and Saviour brings you so much freedom and so much peace and, and so you overcome so many things. It's, it's the best thing you can ever do, even though it's quite expensive because you have to give up. And so please don't make your Christian life about, well, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, right? should I do this or that? Or should I do this or that? Or, or, you know, what about this? Or how can I be a Christian and still do that? You know, you, you don't do all that sort of negotiation. Just... Press install. Let the Spirit work. And you will be transformed and changed and full of joy. And you will be a powerful, great person for him. But all it takes is you looking at Jesus' face. And Jesus says to you, will you leave me too? After all that I've done for you. And he says, press press install and let me change you. And you will find that to be the best day of your eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and rejoice in you. We thank you for all that you have done in us. We thank you that you have made yourself available to us, Lord. That you have left heaven. That you have come to earth. That you became one of us, even worse. You became a servant of us. Even to the point of death upon a cross. Lord, you you bore the weight of shame and guilt. But worse, you paid for the the sin, our sin. With um, you, you paid for our sin and and dealt with the wrath and and you conquered it all through death. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the the one who gives life, because you are the one who has defeated death. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our food and our drink. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have shown us that nothing else is is important apart from this. And so, Lord, we thank you that you have spoken to us these words of spirit and life. And, Lord, we want to receive it. We want to receive you. We want you to take over our lives so that we can stop fussing and worrying and getting anxious and concerned. But we want you to take over and set us free so that we may be free indeed. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll bless us and that you'll use us. And, Lord, we pray too as we celebrate this Lord's Supper together that you'll enable us to completely give to you so that you may live through us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.